You're listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast with your hosts, Attorney Dan Mayer and Licensed Counselor Melissa Westner. Dan is not your attorney and Melissa is not your therapist, but they're here to help you cross your T's and dot your I's as they talk about all the things you wish you had learned in grad school. And now, here are your hosts. Hi there and welcome back. Today, Dan and I are super excited to be talking with Biz Kush. Now, this is someone that Dan and I both know, so it's exciting to invite her on the show today. Biz is a fellow licensed clinical professional counselor, a women's life coach, and she has her own practice, Progression Counseling in Annapolis, Maryland. She's also the host of the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. If you haven't taken a look already, check it out. As a life coach, she helps midlife women who feel overwhelmed and unfulfilled. And she helps them embrace and embody their inner wise woman so that they can fully enjoy the beautiful life they've created. Now, today, though, Biz is coming on to talk with us about not being a psychotherapist, actually, but the challenge of pivoting from primarily doing psychotherapy to doing coaching. Um, And for those of you listening who have been considering pivoting from your main focus as a practitioner, you know, maybe to a different opportunity or maybe to coaching. Um, I really think today is going to be a great opportunity for you to gain some insight from Biz. Um, so, Biz, thank you again for joining us. We're we're grateful to have you on. Oh, I'm so appreciative that you know you guys uh, offered this opportunity because it's always fun to chat with people I know, especially. But yeah, love to support other podcasts too. Yeah. Awesome. So, tell us a little bit about that journey for you, pivoting from working as a counselor, having your own counseling practice, and then making the decision into coaching. It kind of evolved through the podcast, just as my audience was widening to women really across the country and around the world, realizing that as a therapist, I was limited to only the states that I was licensed in. So Mm -hmm. um, I had people reaching out, looking for help and realizing that, I mean, even though as a coach, I can't provide therapy outside of state lines, I can provide assistance, help, guidance, coaching. And so uh, I decided during the pandemic that why not decide, why why not build a coaching business? And so I did that. And a lot of besides the realization that I could reach more women, the other side of that was my therapy practice is very, very trauma heavy, meaning I see a lot of clients who've experience trauma. And that's the primary focus of our work. And that was taking a toll on me. You know, it's just, it can be very heavy. And I found that I was feeling for the amount of clients I was seeing, I was feeling kind of burned out and just ready for something different. That's why I pivoted. I have a question for you. This question comes up a lot, actually, as an attorney working with practitioners. And the question really centers around the this this one, this essential idea of what is it that you're doing as a coach and how does that different or differentiate from psychotherapy? And why that question, you know, comes up for those listening is because you said something and that's what triggered this question in my head was, you know, if you're licensed in one state and you're seeing clients, you know, coaching clients in another state. The other state's going to have some questions if there's ever an issue about, well, what are you doing and how is this not psychotherapy in a state you're not licensed in? So I was just curious to see if you could give us some insight in your mind for you, you know, how you kind of make that differentiation. Yeah. So 
I have had uh, clients reach out from other states and really, I mean, they even say, I'm looking for therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I make it very clear that I can't do that. I cannot provide therapy. And when we talk through what it is they're looking for, if I have a sense that really therapy is what they need, I will give them resources for people in their state that they can reach out to there if I have them. For me personally, because my therapy business is trauma-focused, if I'm hearing that they really want to work on healing the trauma from the past, really working through those triggers, and that's a signal for me that this is a therapy client, not a coaching client. Typically, coaching my coaching clients are women who have probably done a certain amount of healing on their own, and they're in this next stage of their life where they're still feeling kind of stuck, and they're not really sure what the things are, obstacles in their way, you know, and a lot of times they are internal obstacles, but it's not necessarily I'm getting triggered every time I try to do this thing or whatever it is. So it's just like, let's look at the energy that you're bringing into these things. What are the stories that you're telling yourself? So it's really a, it's almost a softer version of, of therapy in some ways mm -hmm. or lighter version. That's not to say trauma stuff won't come up, but we're working with that in a very different way in terms of like, I'm not digging deep into the, what happened and how do you heal? It's how do we sort of shift how you relate to yourself so that you can move through whatever this stuck point is. So it sounds like, you know, and, and I agree with this, you know, that when for someone listening, for example, if, you know, they're like, hey, I want to do coaching, or I want to make that pivot. One of the first things you really have to determine is, okay, right, I'm making the pivot. This is the services I want to do. And for the, you know, and it does vary from each person, I think, from practice to practitioner, you know, here's what I want to focus on, right? You know, and how is this different from the practice side of things? So that's, that's, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you do have to have a clear vision of, of the difference for you so that you're not taking on clients and doing therapy and potentially setting yourself up for some lawsuit or some totally. something. Yeah. On that note, you know, you have training and experience to be a counselor. Mm -hmm. You have your own counseling business, which means that you really need to know your stuff for your documentation, compliance, all of that. And now you're navigating these two worlds, the counseling practice and the coaching practice. And I'm wondering, what have you learned about maybe differences between those worlds in terms of maybe legal issues, ethics, compliance? What are you learning coming from a counseling background, but also entering into the coaching space, what are you finding to be different things that you're learning and how those spaces are different with compliance, ethics, legal, all this stuff? Yeah, well, that is a very interesting topic because they're like worlds apart. Because coaching doesn't have like an overseeing board. I mean, there are boards that can certify you in coaching, but there isn't this more universal, like we have in therapy, like mm -hmm. we have in counseling, where we really are bound to our ethics rules, HIPAA violations mm -hmm. or HIPAA mm -hmm. regulations, things like that. I mean, so what I found that in order to do it, to be a coach that feels in a, in a way that feels comfortable to me, I'm 
working with a coach who coaches therapists who are turning into coaches, right? So I want to make sure I'm doing it ethically mm-hmm. and doing it in the way that aligns with myself as a therapist as well as a coach. So finding, but I mean, you could take handwritten notes, keep them in a folder on your desk, like not worry about privacy and ethics. But of course I'm going to, I mean, I don't ever want to put my clients at risk, whoever they are. So it is a very, I think a lot of therapists see coaching as kind of like the wild, wild west where you can do whatever you want. Anybody can be a coach. I personally didn't feel comfortable. I still get a little uncomfortable calling myself a coach because I don't feel like I'm fully standing in it yet because I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to really create the systems and the documentation in a way that aligns with who I am as a therapist and a coach. I think you just made a really important point. Um, And there's actually a deeper um, aspect to this. And that is that, and just based on conversations I've had with practitioners myself, the people sometimes seem to forget that when you're doing coaching, because this is not therapy, the rules that apply don't don't apply. Well, that can be a good thing. But the problem is then when someone like me, an attorney gets involved, right? Those notes and those files and those things you have on those clients have a very different way of being handled because HIPAA doesn't apply here because it's not PHI. Um, So I think it's a really good point you just made, which is that that doesn't mean you don't have some sort of organization. You don't, you know, still take efforts to protect confidentiality, protect privacy, right? You know, because that doesn't go away, right? It just means that, you know, you have to be be careful. You have to be diligent. I, I think that's a really good, interesting thing to note. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, you take that responsibility on yourself as a coach mm-hmm. to, to protect your client's privacy and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, during the pandemic, there has been a lot of conversation I've heard in a lot of, forums for mental health providers, people talking about wanting to break into the the coaching space. And in this very moment, I can't remember all of the reasons that were like prompting that movement. Maybe you recall, Biz. Um, Mm. But I know that I've heard a lot of that from people during the pandemic. And I'm wondering, at least if you can speak to your own personal experience, how that felt to make that shift. Like on one hand, I think a lot of people were seeking freedom. Like, I don't want all these constraints and these barriers that we face in the mental health world. Um, and I'm wondering for you, has that felt like freedom? Like, wow, this is so great to not have all these things hindering me. Or has it felt like, wow, this is a little unusual to not have as tight of a framework to operate in. And it feels maybe a little unsteady. I'm wondering if you can speak to your own personal experience there. Yeah, well, I definitely, um, initially it felt overwhelming in that, it was learning a whole sort of new set of skills to do the back end side of the business. Like how mm. am, am I going to keep, where, what are the platforms where I can keep the notes? Where I, mm-hmm. where can I get documents signed and have it be legal or, you know, mm-hmm. have it be formal and, and how do I accept payments outside of my therapy practice? So initially it was very overwhelming right mm-hmm. now. I do have a system that feels comfortable enough, but having, Two very, I mean, and I've like the income goes to the same place, but I've kept the businesses very, very separate, different websites, like different. To. Yeah. But that was a lot to to put into place. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, I'm gonna do this. And mm-hmm. I'm there are probably simpler ways than I. I mean, I tend to be a I want it done just the way I want it. So I, you know, it took me uh 
some time to get my website set and all the things in place that now I feel like, okay, I can bring in new clients easily. I want to explore just briefly this idea of the coach having a coach. Um, Mm -hmm. Because first of all, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think it's totally makes sense. It's a very smart idea. And do you find that having a coach, well, first of all, let me ask, what, how did you, did your coach have any sort of influence or assist you with kind of figuring out that this is the the area you want to kind of move into? Or was it, I know I want to do coaching. So let me now find a coach, right? Find that I work well as a coach and then move forward from there. And that's my first question. Yeah. Initially, it was like, how do I pinpoint who I want to work with? How do I hone this, this, you know, niche for myself? And that's actually still evolving Mm -hmm. um, as we do in therapy, too, I think, or at least I did. Um, But I also wanted someone who could start me there and then sort of, yeah, give me all the the potential resources, the training, Mm -hmm. the experience of being coached for Mm -hmm. myself. Uh, with someone that I trusted and really felt safe with and the fact that they were a therapist and became a coach and now train coaches, therapists to become coaches. It really, um, it just provided a whole lot of great resources all around to, to help me feel comfortable in the role. Okay. And that's exactly, that's great. I, that's what I wanted to kind of hear from you because I, th- I think that's really important. So my yeah. second question is, because this has actually come up, and this is why I'm where I'm coming from, because I've had this question asked of me, is with this coach, do you find it, is it helpful? Do you do this? Maybe you don't do it. Do you find it helpful? Like if you're working with someone as a coaching client of yours, and it's very challenging, or there's things that come up that you're like really wrangling with, is that something where you feel comfortable then to go to your coach and say, here's something I'm struggling with. How can I best help this person? What are some strategies or what do tips you have? For me, it's more about, uh, right now at least, it's more about helping me um, be the best coach I can be in all areas of the business. Mm -hmm. So it's really more about um, having an ethical sound business model that I coach from. But I know that I could go to them if I was struggling with a particular issue with a client. If I felt I can't think of an example, but like, say somebody came to me for coaching and all of a sudden it turns into therapy and I have to figure out how to handle that ethically, kindly, compassionately, I would definitely, I'd feel comfortable going to them and and talking Mm -hmm. probably one-on-one. The nice thing about this program that I'm involved in is I get to once a month, we get to sit in on and witness another coach being coached. So oh, wow. I get to see the skills, see the, see the stuff being put in place. I can also volunteer to be a part of that and be coached with a group, you know, witnessing. Um, I wouldn't bring the client stuff to that, that space, but course, I could, sure. you know, work out being a, a one-on-one session with them. Well, you mentioned your website earlier. So I just want to put it out there that if anyone has not been to Biz's um, coaching website, you definitely need to check it out. You go to this page and it just gives you all the feels. It's beautiful. It It looks nice. It feels nice. Biz has some really great pictures of herself on there. So if you want to check out a website that just gives you feels when you go on it, check out Biz's website. Oh, thanks. Uh, I want to say something. Can I say something about that? I went on your website last night. You know, I was just perusing. I like to do that before the, the, we have a guest on the next day. 
And I will say that I'm not, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a touching feeler guy in necessarily in that way. But I go on your website, I'm like, man, I feel calmer. <laughs> like, I just feel like oh, it's beautiful. It's like, it's like, it's awesome. like laid out nicely. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I agree with Melissa. Mm. Everything she, Melissa said. Yeah, so yeah, it's a beautiful website. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, that was my hope. Uh, I had this vision of what I wanted it to be. And yeah, I'm very happy with it. But that's so nice to say that. Thank you. Which is something for people to think about, right? If they're thinking about pivoting into coaching or, you know, managing two different practices, right? It's two websites, it's two different kinds of marketing. It's it's a lot of extra things. And I also think that someone coming from a mental health background, like if someone is looking for a coach, when you find that your coach has a background as a counselor, social worker, there is a pretty solid framework that we're given with. So I think there's probably an extra set of diligence that a coach would bring to the table if they have that background in terms of making sure that we're doing things a certain way with a certain integrity and we have a certain framework, although it might be different. We have that as a structure that we bring to the table there. But I'm wondering if you can maybe speak to as you're navigating that new space, doing a different type of maybe branding or marketing. I'm wondering if you can talk to us about any new muscles you've had to develop as you enter into that new space. Hmm. What has been, I think, a challenge for me is when I went into therapy, uh, as I was building my client base, I was working on, I'm an introvert. So I was like, how can I market myself without having to go in front of people? (laughs) And like, I was going out to doctor's offices initially, and that was terrible for me, just a big strain on my system, but not really returns either. So I was like, I, I learned about SEO and tried to make my website be the best it could be so people could find me in Annapolis. Already having an established therapy business and then trying to build this new business, it's been a lot of, a lot more work than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. So that's been a challenge. But also, um, I think there's this expectation for coaches, like you're going to have a course and you're going to have this groups and you're going to have all this extra stuff. And that has felt like a big pressure for me. Mm -hmm. But it's also helped me realize like, all right, well, where do I want to focus? Where, where do I need to put my energy? And so I've been trying to write more, make sure the podcast is at least touching on some of the aspects of my coaching world and my coaching business and, you know, marketing that way. But I find that I'm just So I don't know, social media has been a big challenge in terms of marketing for me that just I'm not on it very much anymore. So then to dedicate time to be there and market effectively, it's hard. It's it's not as easy as it used to be, I think, somehow, or maybe it just felt easier than when I liked it better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's funny that you say that, Biz. So before we hopped on this call, I was watching a training video on marketing and Mm. it was kind of like a panel online interview thing. And one of the people who I think has a therapy background was like, I gave up social media for for marketing. I realized that how much time I was spending, some of my behaviors that were showing up. And I realized that I don't want to be spending that much time in my life using social media. And so they gave it up. Even though they were doing it in all the places, they talked about how they gave it up. They're kind of known for having given up social media now. And Mm. doing their marketing in some other way, writing books, other things, retreats that they're into. And I thought that's very interesting. And that sounds very lovely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to, yeah, my shift has been to really build relationships, collaborations, talking to people, you know, trying to promote other people's stuff so that I can promote their, they, they can promote mine, but also even within the podcast, you know, uh, really reaching audiences that I think will be relevant to my business too. So mm-hmm. marketing in a different way has been, I feel like is the muscle I'm still building. Cause yeah, I just, yeah. Social media just isn't where my heart is. Yeah. So a question about that in general, kind of broader, you know, not just social media. What are there aspects of you building your coaching practice that, you know, you've already touched on some of them um, that, you know, clearly you handled yourself, but when it comes to things like having a coach or, you know, were there other aspects of building this practice that you felt like I need to go out and hire someone to do this, or this is a service I need to put on someone else to do for me so I can do the other stuff that I want to do, you know, whether it's the marketing or the website development or whatever it is. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, this, for this business, for the coaching business, I hired a a website developer Mm -hmm. who works she has a full-time job and then she does uh, like Squarespace websites for people on, mm-hmm. you know, freelance. So I got her, she and I worked together updating my therapy website a while ago. So I brought her on to do that. And she created that beautiful space with my input. And then the other thing I've done is uh, because the podcast for the first two years, probably maybe more, I was doing all of it. I was you know, recording it, editing it, publishing it, putting it on social media. So I now have a sound editor. I have a copy editor who does all my show notes. So I just plug in the elements to my website and that's really helped. Um, I go back and forth about getting like a a virtual assistant at some point down the road right now. uh, I'm still able to do the things, but it definitely is humbling having two businesses and doing all that work on my own. Yeah. And I'm wondering for other people who are thinking about making that pivot, what would you, what would you want to say to them? What would you encourage them to do for anyone who's like, that's exactly what I've been thinking about. That's exactly what I've been wanting to do. What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say reach out to a coach that has experience in that and get some advice, get some help, get some strategy, you know, in place so that it doesn't become overwhelming, but also really refining why you want to do that, I think is important too, because if it's just to say, I just don't want all this regulation, like, and are you just doing therapy without being licensed? Like, that's not a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's totally. that I think you really have to be clear about who you want to help and why that's different. But I'm also, I mean, I'm not that I would just give away my time for free, but if people had questions for me, I'd be happy to answer them for sure. Question for you, based on everything we've discussed thus far, is there one, maybe two, but I was going to go with one, you know, one thing that you found most challenging Um, you know, was the biggest obstacle to kind of overcoming as you, you know, did this pivot and move into being a a coach and and building a coaching practice. I think the biggest pivot for me was having the confidence that, you know, although I'm not bringing all my therapy skills into coaching, that my therapy skills do translate into coaching Mm -hmm. and feeling confident that although I've taken some trainings, I didn't need to necessarily go through the full certification process. Although there are those, you know, for therapists that want to become coaches, there are 
avenues to get certified. I have not done that yet, but I have taken enough training that now, but I think that was the hardest thing was me trusting that I would know how to be a coach, which is kind of funny, but it's true. I mean, just getting that confidence and feeling at home in that space. What I'm hearing is, because this is a very common theme, both in, for therapists and honestly for many professionals in many different avenues, it sounds like you're describing a bit of imposter syndrome, totally. which I think everybody has some people more extent than others, but it's, I think everyone's, I think I have it sometimes even, you know, it's that idea that you can be really good at something or you can be doing a really good job, but you're internally, you're like, I feel like a fraud, right? How do oh. I know like when I, that I'm really doing this? Like, right. And that yeah. sounds like it. And it's, I think it's a, in enlightening or it's, it's, I don't want to say nice, but I think it's refreshing to hear someone say that you can have that and that's normal and okay, but that, oh. that shouldn't stop you from doing what you want to do. Yeah. And I would say probably as I worked with the coach who eventually then I, you know, joined in their membership, that that was the beginning of most of the work we did together was sort of validating. Yeah, you do to help me calm that, that imposter syndrome part of me that was like, can you really do this? Yeah. Do you have enough? Do you know enough? And they were very kind and saying, you know how to work with clients, you know, you know how to do this. It's okay. It's a challenge. You mentioned a little while ago about, you know, encouraging people to check in with their why. Why do they want to go down this road? Right. And I think we had to check in with like, what is our why in general? And, you know, you started with a counseling practice. You said there was a lot of trauma showing up in your counseling practice that that felt really heavy. How did some of that inform your why for the coaching practice? Hmm. I think part of the reason, it, because I don't know that this is true for all helpers, but for me, as a therapist, the reason I got into therapy and chose to work with women who have anxiety because of the history of trauma, it came from my personal experience of knowing like, I know therapy helps this. Like I had anxiety, I've experienced trauma. Like I know that healing can happen. Mm -hmm. um, I think as I move into midlife and feel more settled in myself, except there was a period of time where I was like, something's missing. I just didn't feel like I had all the pieces. Mm -hmm. And what really helped was for me to um, just really better understand how much I was giving to other people and not to myself, which I think is a very feminine trait, right? I just want to help, 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 help. And that shift for me of sort of making myself a priority, making self-care a priority, going to bed on time, eating the right food, exercising, like bringing those uh, pieces into my life in a very intentional way really shifted so much for me and how settled I felt in my life. And I was like, I want that for everybody, mm -hmm. all women, all men too. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was my why. Like, I know this can get better. I know life can feel really easy, not all the time, but for the most part. And I want that for others. Mm -hmm. I was going to be my question. And so you kind of answered it was what we talk a lot on podcasts about self-care mm. and what regimens and what do you follow to do self-care as you're doing two practices, two businesses, essentially. But you kind of answered my question. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, of, of what I've learned is I need space in my day. So even with two businesses, like I need a day where I don't see clients so I can 
even if I'm not working directly with clients, I'm doing the work behind the scenes or I'm able to take a long walk and get outside and pick my dog out and um, rest if I need to. So my day cannot be filled from start to finish with clients or client work. It has to have other creative components, writing, podcasting, creating graphics, you know, doing stuff for social media, even though I don't love putting it out there. I do like the creation of it, but yeah, yeah. So self-care is really important. It's really, really important, no matter whether you have one business, two business, whatever it is. Yeah. Which seems true in practice based on all of these lovely pictures of water on your pages as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. I love being near the water. I feel fortunate that I have a home near the water and can take a walk and see water whenever I want to. So that's been, that's very fulfilling and good for my soul. Yeah. So uh, one other question I have for you is, as you're building this practice, you know, is there kind of a vision you have for down the road for what it looks like? You know, is this more, you know, all right, I'm doing the coaching. I'm now having coaching clients and I have a coaching business and that's what I want. Or is there you know, are you continually looking to, okay, how do I now grow this, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, because I hear that a lot, and sometimes some clients will say, I want this, and I want to do this, and then my plan is to do this, and others will say, no, I'm content with once I've built this, and just working within that system I've now built. Do you have a sense to what your kind of thought on your own coaching business, and how you want to take, or what you want to do with it? I think there's a part of me that would like to say, once it's built, it'll be good. But I know myself, <laughs> I tend to be a person that's looking for, yeah, other ways to grow and build. I think ideally down the road, I would like to see, you know, a few therapy clients and a few coaching clients. And then if inspiration hits me to maybe build some sort of a course for coaching clients that maybe for those clients I can't see right away, Mm -hmm. there's an entryway to at least get some resources from me to help them uh, down the road. I have not felt inspired to do that as of yet, but that's in the back of my head and percolates back there uh, thinking about that. So I'm guessing things will shift and continue to grow in in new ways, knowing Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) <laughs> always a new idea. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And always a new idea, but with the idea that, with with the inspiration that I continue to keep space in my schedule and my life that I can do fun things and enjoy my life. So Biz, we know that there are many ways that people can find you, get in touch with you on the counseling side, the coaching side, the podcasting side, newsletter side, all the ways. If people are like, I want to find out what she's up to, what she's doing, how can people find you? So um, my website for therapy, I'm licensed in Maryland and Delaware, and that's progressioncounseling.com. My coaching site is elizabethcushcoaching.com. My podcast is Awaken Your Wise Woman. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on my website, And I have a newsletter. So if you want to just keep up to date or have a sense of who I am, I provide mindfulness tips and coaching tips and about what I'm reading and add some personal stories in there too. So people can sign up for that newsletter on my website, elizabethcoaching.com forward slash sign up. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Biz, for coming on. Thank you. Again, we appreciate it. It's, It's always lovely to have someone on 
who, you know, we love having our guests on, but we love having guests on that we know, especially that we've had, you know, just a prior connection with. Um, so I really appreciate it. Um, I thank you for joining us. I hope that everyone listening, yeah, as I said at the top of the show, um, you know, that you've taken something from this, um, you know, and that this, if you're looking to maybe make that pivot, then maybe there's a couple of gems here that you can apply to your own practice. Uh, one reminder I want to tell everyone is that we have now started to um, have documents available. Um, all practitioners use documents, whether you're in coaching or whether you're in actual therapy. And so one of the things we've now put on our website um, is some documents for your practice. If you do have a therapy practice and you need um, some sort of um, informed consent, you need outdoor therapy, things like that, we have those available. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. Um, you can purchase them right on our website. You know, As always, go to www.protectyourpractice.com. Other than that, thank you everyone for joining us again. Um, we hope to talk to you soon and be well. Thank you for listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast. Be sure to visit protectingyourpractice.com to connect with us, continue the conversation, and access additional information. As a reminder, the information on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Listeners should contact their own attorney or paid consultant for all decisions regarding their own practice.